Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn and I'm here with Andy Wright. Hello. Hello, how are you going? I'm very good. We're very excited to be. We're on the banks of the Brisbane River. It's a cool spot, it's right? Beautiful. The, these, yeah. these blinds don't add too much to it, but I'm sure behind the blinds there is a beautiful vista. It is. It's very nice here. And obviously, we're here for the design conference. Yeah, absolutely. And Streamtime sponsor us. And so it's nice to have uh, Andy here. So we can, instead of saying thank you to Streamtime, we just say thanks, Andy. You're welcome. <laughs> and Aaron and <laughs> the entire team. It's, it's been pretty cool, like being here and collaborating a lot of things we did some breakouts together we did it. uh, it's always very easy to work <laughs> with you guys and uh i feel always a little bit chuffed to come and do podcasting and uh and co-hosting because obviously you can't be on every week so yeah <laughs> you might at this rate <laughs> <laughs> which has been really great yeah so streamtime being big supporters of us for some time and really couldn't do it all without their support so yeah we're, we're glad to be here so last night we helped andy run an event that launched to the Brisbane audience for the first time and just kind of want to give a shout out to Prue Jones from Fjord and Accenture and Kat Burgess from Frost who kind of kind of got up there and, and steered it in a, in a really interesting direction which was the whole point like mm-hmm. we don't want to be dictating to people we want the community to get involved which is yeah it was a really authentic and frank insights into what being a woman in design is like at the moment which is like so important to talk about uh, so Andy maybe you could introduce our friggin awesome Yes, this is exciting. <laughs> it's so it's very exciting. exciting having been able to watch a talk yesterday and then have like special Q&A the day after. So uh, yes, we're very excited to be able to welcome Dia. Dia is a strategy and design consultancy based in New York who specializes, and I'm sure we'll get into this, kinetic identity systems. Uh, Dia is run by the husband and wife power duo, Mitch Paoni and Meg Donahue. Power couple. Power couple. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but we'll yeah. take it. You're a goofy couple. They <laughs> should now be wearing special suits. Yes. In fact, for the purpose of the audience, you're now wearing power suits. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Your capes look yeah. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was interesting yesterday in your talk, and I think rather than kind of reveal it, let's just ask the question. You refer to yourselves in your relationship as Rauschenberg, which is Mitch, and Sol Lewitt, which is Meg. Can you explain that more, please? <laughs> well, it's funny because this like came up last minute when we were adjusting the, the talk. But uh, I think, I mean, for me, when we put this together, both of us are actually quite creative people. It's not just Meg doing business and accounting and me being creative. It's actually quite a crossover in the very structured and almost mathematical approach and cleanliness of Solowit is indicative of how I think Meg has you know operated both creatively and in life like there's an order of things that make things move and then i am definitely <laughs> a bit more unhinged and not in a good way but <laughs> in a good in a good way but it's like a bit looser improv jazzy you know just fly by the seat of my pants kind of personality so for me you know being with meg both with work and life there is that structure is actually been quite beneficial, selfishly very, very beneficial in me, polishing me as a human and a creative person. So it's kind of, uh, I don't know if you want to... Is it yeah. always that positive? Because like, it's always good to be able to say, oh, you know, my other half makes me better and, and completes me and that kind of stuff. But there must be, because you're therefore different, it can't always be that. That could <laughs> get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess... It's everyone's always like, how do you work with your husband? That's in cra- That's crazy. But we met 
we met working, so it's not like that was first, and then we got married. But even when we met, you know, those kind of uh, like the yin and the yang thing were already there. Like he would come to my desk, and he'd be like, we'd have lunch together at my desk, and he'd be eating a sandwich and then I'd look up and there'd be like crumbs trash it and I'm like oh my god <laughs> this dude is like a disaster and you're like oh my god I'm, I'm in love yeah, yeah, that's just here's, my, here's my clean up project yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know in a, in a positive way that's there's a, I would say that's actually quite true like uh, in, in for me recognizing that and you know being a stubborn creative person like at first you know like you have someone who you respect as an equal giving you life and work feedback you're like really you're like i don't really i don't i don't agree with that but then actually kind of take it for what it's worth and execute it and i'm like damn she's right oh shit she's right again oh she's always right so then, <laughs> and then I've, it's became a in a way of like i don't i can avoid the i told you so when i decide not to listen to what she has to say and just do it because if i decide oh yeah whatever i'm just going to take that for a grain of salt and then I'm, and then two months later, whatever happens, it's like, yeah, I told you so. You should have just done that. So, I don't say I told you. No, so. but it's like you don't say it, but it's like I an should. unwritten like look. It's like, yeah, you, <laughs> you listen to me. <laughs> but yeah, I think in over time, when you just that becomes there's just a trust and and expectation of how we behave around each other that it becomes quite natural. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's um, a nice balance. I mean, I think I don't think it's for everybody working together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like the two of us are relatively laid back and you know because we're similar but then there's like different qualities that you know kind of balance out it works really well yeah. and we don't take things too seriously like you know if something goes crazy or goes wrong it's like uh, you know it's not the end of the world we'll yeah. figure it out and it's gonna be fine and I think just to not to keep going on and on about it I think you know, people forget that, and I brought up that Soluit's still creative. He's an incredibly creative person. So Meg, while of course myself and the design team at DR are doing a lot of the hard design work itself, her point of view coming at it from a different angle and dealing with the clients and suggesting certain things have had a huge positive impact on the work. So she's able to see what we're doing and then frame it in a different lens and be able to see where we're missing things. And it's happened on a lot of occasions, like, you know, guys, we're missing this hole for any development. And then what happens is those end up being the parts of the project that the client was looking for the whole time. And we were like, no, 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 we got this thing going on. She's like, no, really, you should check this out. This is and nice. Just keep going. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we've, we've won jobs on this like multiple times. She was like, this needs to be handled. We may need a photographic thing here and work mm -hmm. that out. Um, and that's because she's being very neutral and seeing what the client needs. And then we get, you know, and helps us take it out of our like rabbit hole of our creative zone where we think things are cool but she's like you know you guys are a little off so mm -hmm. it's 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 a great thing to have that secondary opinion coming out of work and having incredible taste with it too it's not just business and creativity so thank awesome. you doing, <laughs> we are doing wonders for your marriage right now <laughs> I, know. Keep it going. I don't know i don't know why i love brisbane so much but it was what an amazing well, place Marys are pretty good yeah yeah that always helps that always helps in your presentation, you you showed an awesome schedule, one one for each of you. Um, for you know, they showed kind of hour by hour what you do, kind of what your day looks like. How how did that come about? Was that an accidental thing? Was that intentional? Was that this was it's, like yeah. I guess what happened is, um, and you know, in our talk we kind of went through the stages of Dia, and just like you know, from office to office, we've had a couple different offices that you know vary in size and in overhead and things like that. 
most recent one, the one that we've been in now for, I guess, over a year, we were able to buy back, you know, like an hour of our time with the commute. And then also, you know, lowering overhead, just like buy back our mental health, I guess. Mm. Um, It was just super stressful in that one space because we were able to carve out like so much time in our day where we were just commuting. Mm. We now have, you know, we have this morning that we can like really just do stuff for ourselves. And it's become, it it wasn't so um, intentional at the very beginning to carve out like a very structured morning or, um, you know, day. But like what happened is, you know, we started doing it, it started feeling good. We started feeling better. And then it just like, it, it helped to have some sort of a structure that we had control of because, you know, there's so many things that we can't control and there's going to be things that are coming at us left and right. So it's like those things that we can control, you know, let's, let's try to have that for ourselves. Yeah. I think, you know, and on top of that, like, I'm like, I mean, kind of nerdy and interested in the mindfulness ideas and stuff like that. I think that's actually really been influential in myself for quite, I think the last two, three, four years. And if you can create kind of a state of mind when you walk into that office that's so just, I think, solid, and that really comes out of having this routine, almost like ritual, in that it's unbelievable when you come in with this kind of like, like free mind, zen kind of thing, and then you go into work, it's like you're focused. And I think that when, when, you, when you can achieve that kind of feeling into the creative work that's when things you can start producing things really fast you're not worrying about stuff like oh did i do this did i do that it's like you're totally concentrated on what the task is and i think that was when we started to refine that ritual put us in a position when we went into the office and and i think when you see a lot of the last like i know people didn't see the presentation but a lot of the stuff that we've been posting recently and interesting work that we've done it's been happening quite a short period of time probably within i, I guess like it uh, <laughs> corresponds really. with the move so i think that's like an interesting kind of piece so the it's output like, has been like yeah it's quadruple. like showing up to work not stressed um which is in those other two offices you'd walk in there and you'd be like oh my god i already feel like hell and it's not even 10 a.m you're yeah. like sweaty and you're a <laughs> yeah. little bit stinky and, yeah. and you're like, uh, yeah, like how am rough. i supposed to start a whole day with this feeling whereas now it's like you come in and you're like ready mm-hmm. yeah and it's interesting with new york something that a lot of people don't remember is how much like physical physical humans there are mm. especially moving at the same time you know want to be at work at nine o'clock leaving at five or six right. and everyone's kind of going through the different boroughs and doing the yeah, same thing at the same time it's yeah. nice to be able to kind of balance that out and yeah. maybe start a little bit later a little bit early mm-hmm. just to offset that dealing with that kind of crazy traffic yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah you can get rid of it then <laughs> it's great <laughs> yeah i mean we even like the office now is seven like walk. yeah seven minute walk from our apartment so it's like right there it's like ah oh, this is great and we off. like moved like we were like we want the weirdest location like away from people a weird building get us like fringy and that's where we well, are. It's like, we got something just for you. It's like, it's like, <laughs> you want weird? Yeah. We've got weird. Yeah. It's awesome. pretty weird. Yeah, it yeah. Is um, weird. But like within that weirdness, like we've made like a nice little, I don't know, it's like a little haven kind yeah. of thing. No right. sign on the door, a gray door, you walk yeah. in and then, you know, clearly a design studio when you walk yeah. in. Like, it's either yeah. that or like a really exclusive nightclub. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I think like, it turns into that at night. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and where are you now? I miss I miss some of the talks. So where are you exactly right now? Um, we're like, in Dumbo. Oh, you're um, in Dumbo now. So we live, yeah. 
like in the heart of Dumbo and our studios just in the um, border of Vinegar Hill and Dumbo. Wow. So we actually look out at, it's like there's a Con Edison power grid, which sounds horrible and it, it is, but then like a little bit beyond that, you see the East River and then like the skyline of the city. Wow. So it's lovely if you can see past like the so you get the sun, type. sunset? It's actually, it points directly north, so we don't actually right. have any direct light. So yeah. technically, in a way, it's good because actually don't like getting hot so the direct sunlight actually is not having it's good but yeah um yeah so we see the the water and boats going by all day and which it's is quite relaxing. very peaceful yeah it's extremely quiet there too which is an anomaly in new york so yeah well great it sounds like therefore you've kind of found your your zen in your in your environment and i think as you sort of alluded to the the work has has kind of taken a, an upturn for it as well but it, well i mean certainly we saw yesterday it's incredibly experimental now so is you know obviously all these things are coming together what's driving how experimental the work is at the moment um i think you know when we i mean there's a lot of different factors at play and i think from uh just looking into the future and how identity work and i think and we showed that our background is actually in very traditional motion graphics where which is funny because a lot of the techniques we produce for like film titles and commercials 10 15 years ago are the same things we're using today, but contextually different, which mm. is, people are like, wow, this is new. It's like, actually, no, it's not new at all. It's like, just used in a different way. Right. Kyle Cooper and these guys were doing this stuff like back then, but it was just for like visual effects. It is funny, right? Because it's like, um, I've been to RGA in New York and, and Bob's showing me like the Superman credits, right? And you'd go, wow, and this amazing, this was on TV. Right. And now you look at Instagram, you go, wow, that's amazing. Actually, yeah, you're right. Like now, I think about it, it's not that different to Ghostbusters no. and Superman and everything that was happening on TV in the '80s. Right. Yeah. It's the same, but I think I think what where where it switches is I, we got really into, you know, type design and editorial design, and I think, you know, obviously commercials and film titles have their moment, but typographically, that is kind of irrelevant in the context for brand identity work. Like mm -hmm. you're just showing titles and they come on and disappear. So for me, I've always personally tried to like, how can these somewhat completely unrelated parts of design come together? Mm -hmm. And not just like text pop on, text disappear. Mm -hmm. Like there's gotta be a way, and now that we have screens and technology that brands live, that there has to feel like moving or dynamic in a way that, but still dealing with like content hierarchy, like a book design. Mm -hmm. So th that was this tension and it was just constantly trying to like push through and figure it out. Like maybe this, maybe that, experimenting with type animation and seeing what happened. And then A-Track came along and was like, that stuff's cool. It's actually A-Track, his brother, <laughs> Dave Maklovich, is Chromeo is like, this, he's like the design like the jockey. Puppet master. He's like posting Mueller Brockman books on his Instagram. He like loves, he's like Swiss design, loves Swiss design. You oh, guys wow. do your thing. And so he was like, you guys are doing this for um, Alan. Um, and, and that became kind of, you know, the pressures of that job really like amplified and put some fuel into the experimentation and stepped it up. So. I think it's also just trying to stay ahead of things a little bit. Um, and I think that might be because you know, we're a smaller studio and it's like, how can we, you know, keep pushing this? How can we stay ahead? Because it's like, there's larger places that are doing great identity work. Like, how are we unique? How are we different? What can we do that they might not be able to do? And it was just like, because our background is in motion graphics, okay, let's push that and push that in, you know, identities, which no one's really doing right now. 
And so that's quite a conscious decision. Was it you pushing it first or was it the clients kind of pushing you? I know you said yesterday like the A-Track stuff was... We, we pushed it, I think. I think the, there was a project for Greg Sorensen and Life and Death. We had some opportunities with some friends to like work out some of these ideas. Um, and I think what we found that this idea of behavior in motion, and I talked about it in the breakout today, the fact that identity is not just visual information actually identity is how we move like people joke when they see me walk down the street they know it's me because it's me <laughs> wobbling side to side they look like you have a huge smile on your face it just looks like you're happy and it's like that's me because of the way i move and that kind of idea started to re we started to sink into that it's like wait like you know like you know film title sequences thinking about kept capturing time and that creates a whole other, another dimension of visual form that is gonna be just as important as like the selection of a font. And I think um, it's because like a lot of people are working within digital. So it's, you know, there's, not that there's less print applications, but I think like with social media, like, you know, those Instagram feeds are, people are looking at that more than they are, you know, the printed poster, material. Yeah. So it's like, how can we use that to our advantage and you know being motion people it was like okay let's do this and things are gonna be on screen and things are gonna be able to move so how can we jump on that and use it mm -hmm. i've got down here a little bit later talking about the a-track sort of project and you'll say it a lot better but just for our audience's benefit just explain how that was because like multi-screen just absolutely like tight as well i don't know like, and it was just tight but there was so much so much um like flavor to it there was there was so much behind it and when you showed us some of the like working things leading up to it when you see it you go of course but if i was there and i was listening to a track i'd just be like what is going on <laughs> this is like mind-blowing stuff and it's so immersive and you did that in a really short period yeah, of time he, which was kind of mind-blowing his schedules are nuts like obviously like any musician or dj but i mean i guess like with Lollapalooza, which was kind of where we released all that kinetic type for him he called us like a week before or a couple of days before and was like we have to fill an hour's worth of uh showtime so we need live visuals. And we're like, oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and if anybody does motion, like an hour of animation's insane. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like that's in not absolutely not possible. Yeah. yeah. Someone came to us and we do, you know, oh, we want a two minute video. You go, yeah, it's three or four weeks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's fast. Yeah. Like, and then yeah. like for back and forth and just like, oh, I don't like this. Let's do this. Like, yeah, it could easily be like a couple weeks. And often like a, multiple people working on totally. it, like, mm -hmm. you know, 24 seven and then getting to the end and going, we all need a week off now. Right. You know, that just about killed us. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So uh, I mean, how's that, it done? So that <laughs> that's the it? funny thing, and to to compound the difficulty that we were on a f family vacation at the time when he called in Cape Cod, it always happens. And like and that. we had the foresight to we like brought one of the workstations with us, knowing shit with it the fan. Like we know something's gonna happen while we're there. Coincidentally, we kind of knew somewhere along the line he's gonna pop up and be like, "We need this." So we were messing around with a lot of different, even just coded applications, or we do a lot of very backward hacked things in Cinema 40 and After Effects 2 that mimic what a generative application would create as well. So we had these setups where we could easily just like change fonts, change copy, and then hit render or debug, and it would just produce this mm. thing. And sometimes they were kind of cheesy, screen savory looking things. And then sometimes they had like an incredibly interesting result. Like, Whoa, that's crazy. That one we're going to keep around. This one, not so much. That one's good. So we, then we had like a whole library of these like systems that we developed. And they're like hacked 
weird. They don't even make sense. If you look in After Effects, the traditional animator, like, I don't really understand what this is. But then we were, like, ready for it when it came. He's like, yeah, I want this. I want A-Track and a few different styles and this. Yeah, we, like, had a couple different and, and I think I think we sent him maybe, like, 80 files and then which is like what we do for a lot of people it's just like here's a ton of shit like, yeah. <laughs> pick whatever you want yeah um so it's just like you know as opposed to like the feedback process and back and forth it's just like here's you know iterations and so many options like you guys can curate and choose mm. and then i think him and his vj kind of just like selected ones that you know would work best in that scale and like within the screen orientation and things like that and it was crazy to see you said scale then. Like, so how do you see? Because the the stuff you showed. Because obviously, like I think you said, like at a DJ show, you kind of really have to go to town on the stuff that around. Because otherwise, it's just a guy on the decks. And so yeah, I love that. It's yeah. not much to. Kind they of do their see. best, but there's only so many moves that yeah. Well, so it, how do you get? Yeah, how can you? How do you know that something's going to work at that scale? Because it's huge. you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing. I think for me personally, like just an aesthetic taste. Like, if you can create impact in, like, just black and white, as less amount of visual content as possible. And I think in addition to why they're interested in their work, like, old, you know, DJ and EDM was, like, flashy, visual effects-y, cheesy, like, lens flares and all that stuff. But when you start to remove all that, but then find very striking visual information in just almost flat ways, it's in it in a large scale gets quite impactful and that's before we even add like the effects like just seeing a 60 foot a mm -hmm. in black and white is quite like whoa that's kind of strange um, but then when we started to apply the stuff to it the form of the text is starting to get so disrupted but it was still so striking and bold and, and actually quite you know there wasn't a lot of added stuff it was really just reducing it down to that form being affected and then you know we we didn't know because we didn't really get a chance to project stuff or try stuff larger yeah, scale but yeah as soon as you see it's funny yeah, there was a follow-up question how do you test for that you don't right? like yeah. I mean, there was that one point like where we had a projector in the office but our wall was nowhere near the <laughs> yeah. size of like those right. screens but so you could like kind of see but it was just kind of like all right here we go let's yeah. give it a whirl awesome. but what happened was i think even yes that was two days ago when meg um she pre presented to the high schoolers and I had never seen a lot of this stuff in the audience at the scale. It just amplifies the effect. Because we're so used to working this small. And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. It's like huge. Like, like taking photos for Instagram. Yeah, yeah totally. Man, these, these like, guys are nuts. Like, like, I've never seen this yeah. before. So we're, we're so used <laughs> yeah. to working at a small scale. When you see it at that size, it really, it just magnifies the impression. Yeah. Um, so that was accidental. But it's, I think, quite cool to see the. The, you know the intensity of it there I, I hear you talk about that and I get I get really jealous as I think a lot of designers probably do how you're talking about how you you have this like ammunition of things like you're, you're experimenting so much so it's it's almost like not a clean slate necessarily like obviously you will approach every brief as a unique brief but you but you have these experimentation you have these things or maybe it's a little bit like this that we did and it could be something that you've done quite a long time ago that must be so so freeing like and so true like, because it is what it is, and then it might be appropriate for that project. Is like, how important is that experimentation time for and you? That's like, it's everything. Everything. It's, yeah, it's the. I think the most important thing. And you, you, Meg just talked about it earlier. Like, you, you know, obviously we're all trying to manage our own creative studios and carve out our little corner. But what has kind of broken us into a strange place? If actually, I would say confusing place for a lot of clients and and people is like 
what are, what are you guys now? Like, what is this? And I think because we're able to experiment and put so much effort in that, the briefs change. So like people right. just come to us now, like for an identity, it's like, we don't really know what you do, <laughs> but <laughs> we like it and we know it can serve a lot of value for our company. And it's not just a Nike, like cool, fun thing, like large corporate identity change stuff. And, mm. and it's like, but it does take some very progressive thinking on that end for us to collaborate with them. Because what, I, what we don't want to do is just get the client brief and produce a nice identity that's a more traditional sense. Like we have skills that are untraditional in animation, that is where we're gonna immediately go for some of our exploration. We'll do pr more traditional ideas, more conceptual things with marks and stuff, but like if maybe there's a behavior of animation, maybe there's a generative way. Like so our, even the stuff we present is from traditional to radical. Um, because we can do it, we might as well pursue those options. Um, and I think it takes a certain type of client, obviously, like within their industries, like, you know, yeah. certain people, yeah. it doesn't yeah. make sense for them. And like, we're not yeah. going to push it on them because uh, that's just irresponsible. So I think it's like, you know, we've had a couple interesting um, potential clients and current clients that are like, okay, and they, and it makes sense for them. So like, we have the ability to do some crazy stuff, mm -hmm. which is going to be cool. You also talked about the, the Nike work, and I think one of the things you said yesterday was how you go, it's almost like you actually are producing some print stuff now for Nike, but actually the print is just capturing the motion, which is pretty cool. At what point did you go, oh, that's got to be the approach we take versus, I think you even said yesterday, like you stumbled across a bit, that's actually pretty cool. How did that fit into the, the process? You know, it, I think it, it came pretty deliberate at a certain point because you know, we, we talk about like form and time, like this is an ongoing subject that we are focused in. And there's something when you see work that has captured moment in it, there's always like this tension. Mm. And I think uh, get aside from like leaving concepts alone and just thinking about visual form, when you see, you know, like a Mueller Brockman piece that was just thrown on an angle from like the 1950s, at that time it's incredibly radical just by that shift. Mm -hmm. And this takes that and pushes it further. Like this isn't like a Wolfgang Weingart thing where we're cutting up top by hand. We're allowing software and animation producing this stuff. So it, you just look at it and you're like, damn, it's got this energy and it's like, it just radiates. And I think. For me, just from like an, an artistic point of view, that's cool. Like you, you get these accidental moments. You're like, how the fuck can you make that? Like, how did you like you're like confusing people by the execution, and the form has so much like tension and dynamism in it that, you know, I I don't know. I kind of really gravitate to work like that. All the artist work that I love all kind of has this kind of like makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, like this. It's also interesting, and it's not. It's not therefore instantly recreatable because there are so many things that kind of become trend. Right. Um, and so you can sort of understand perhaps how someone got there and how they're made. But in this case, it's a lot more kind of surprising and, mm -hmm. and yeah, kind of arresting, I, I guess. Yeah. The, uh, the other question I had about Nike, which I'm quite interested in, is they do collaborate a lot. And I'd imagine that given where you are and where you must work with the Portland team, so it's not like you're always over there doing client presentations and that kind of stuff. And I think even the way that you said, you know, we'll just send shit over and uh, they'll pick what they That's like. What it's yeah. exactly yeah. It's it. exactly what it's like, right? Yeah. It's a, yeah. Literally, I think it was two weeks ago, we sent a keynote of 250 slides <laughs> of iteration. And, you know, it gets to a point because they are so talented internally in their own design. Like, 
you know, we don't even know if it's good. Like, here you go. You guys can just pick some shit out of here. And, and do you know if it's going out or do you just see it later and go, oh, that was yeah. nice. Yeah. Sometimes with Nike, it's tough because like sometimes kind of it like falls flat or sometimes it's internal. But then like, I don't know, somebody sent us a video of something and we're like, oh, that's where it is. There's like, our nice work is. It. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a, the process with Nike is quite untraditional in the fact that there is no, we're not producing the end game most of the time. They're looking for... Mo even a lot of the different studios they collaborate, it's, you know, mash, like at a certain point in time, it could be like Holland and Mirko Borsch and us, and they kind of wrap it up and mix it together and make their own thing out of it, which is, at first we thought was kind of weird, but then we kind of understand, like they're just trying to make cool stuff with fun collaborators and do their own thing with it. So we've and kind I think of embraced like we wouldn't that. do that with everybody. Like, I think we, I mean, like we respect the Nike teams, like they're, you they're know, like Mitch said, talented. like they're very talented. So it's like, I don't know, there was a little bit of comfort in knowing that your work is in good hands. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at first we were like, oh shit, like we're just sending this stuff over. We have no idea what they're doing with it. <laughs> it could be junk, but. It's turned out it's pretty never. cool. So. You've, you've just reminded me, and I can't remember his name, so it's gonna be a terrible story, but I'll do it anyway. But there, <laughs> there, was, there, was, a, there was a famous Japanese logo designer, brand designer back, back in the day apparently. And what he used to do is he used to just draw logos and logos and logos as we would draw scamps and maybe get about 100 and put them all up on the wall and bring the client in and go, cool, which one do you want? Mm -hmm. Because it was more about what was done with it that more so than the actual specific kind of lines. And it just reminds me a little bit of that. It's kind of like just that collaboration and also, look, there's all this stuff that we can do. And then once they get that, it's all about like how it's executed afterwards, which is really nice. Do, yeah, does this help the relationship a little bit as well? Not your relationship. Like not being so protective of your work mm. because that is a bit of a tension between client and agency, which is, oh, look what, oh no, look what they're going to do with it. Or I know we've said, like, I know I've said in the past, like you put something that you don't like up, it's going to get chosen. Right. But here it's like, you're very free to kind of go, yeah, look, like, let's see where we could take this together or where even you guys want to take it, like it's yours now, um, rather than kind of worrying too much. Yeah, about you know, I, I, it's funny because like, the younger de designers struggle with this still. They're like, oh, the feedback, I hate this feedback, can't believe that, and I'm like, you know, it's fine. Like, so what <laughs> if they change it a little bit? In the, it always changes, yeah. like, mm. and then you become okay with the fact that it's not gonna be your intention, and then, you just lose that like stress about it anymore. I think I mean, now then you get into and then you start working on stuff that's so free and generative that you because you're iterating and it's more about the process and le less about the outcome. You you really just don't care. Like I, we do care. Obviously, we're going to select the stuff that we think yeah. is viable. But you know, it's not like here's the one answer. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know, I think this is cool. What do you guys think? Mm. You know, not not every client's like this. Like. The creative clients are better, like we trust their judgment, but like I think the clients that we don't have a creative team internally with, like if we're working with a CEO or a marketing director, we will be very specific about the presentation and mock-ups and things like that. So it varies, but I do think the detachment of the craft and caring about the outcome is just healthy for yeah. any creative person. Like, you know, it's gonna change. And just then I okay also think like they may see something that we don't. Like we've been working on it for, you know, however long and there's, like Mitch was saying, you know, there's 200 options. It's like you become blind at a certain point. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see like what they choose and some that, you know, we may never have chosen. So it's kind of cool. And you want them to own it, right? Like then they feel like. Yeah, yeah they're empowered. They like they're like, okay, yeah. like that's, these are the ones that I liked out of these 200. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, they made the decision themselves. And like in back in our motion graphics days, 
there is a director's cut of the thing and the real thing. <laughs> so like that's normal. Like a director has a director <laughs> cut of the film where the marketing department didn't change the certain thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously your portfolio and case studies is your best scenario that you think is cool, but like, you know, it's fine. Like it doesn't need to be produced the way you think. And I love that idea. You just made me think about like an advertising campaign, but 10% of the, like imagine if you did a hundred billboards and then 10 of them were like a director's cut, which yeah. is like, well, yeah, that's pretty cool. But, but, but like just the ones in Dumbo, uh, yeah, yeah, the right ones. Yeah. <laughs> director's yeah, cut down the bottom, TA director's cut. That's yeah. cool, man. I love that. We're just in apparel. That's great. Um, you talked a little bit about kind of younger designers and on stage you were kind of talking a bit about t teaching people. And we assumed before the talk that talking about like teaching them sort of traditional stuff, but you're teaching them like a lot of the things you guys are doing now. How how is this next generation kind of embracing this stuff? Or they find it do they find it jarring because of the they're so they've so recently been taught the It's interesting. I think, you know, it's a really difficult thing to teach um, because you need to learn the fundamental craft still. I so, think like what you've been doing is teaching more of like the way of thinking mm. as opposed to like Here's how you, you know, do After Effects or like here's right. how you do this technique in After Effects. But it's like, okay, like retrain yourself and there's like different processes that you can create work. I think that story of the, um, you know, the kids in ACAL was like so interesting <laughs> because it's in Switzerland. They're like very rigid. They're amazing type designers and um, typography, like editorial people. But it's just like freeing themselves up, I think, was such like a... I don't know, like a scary thing for them. They freaked out. Yeah, this it, it, it's an amazing story. This it, the student here name is Pauline. She's like this young, she's like Swiss French, and in the and it was funny. The first day I was this this uh, the school's called Acal. It's like Ecole de la Seine, whatever. I don't speak very good French, um, but it's one, I think to me one of the greatest design schools in the world for. But they focus on editorial design for books, like the best books in the world, but. The other thing is, like, for us as American designers, like, not many people see this stuff. So then, you know, someone like me comes in there with this radical different approach that's very un-Swiss. Um, was kind of funny. And then Pauline, I think Wednesday into it, she's like, Mitch, I feel really guilty. But I like it. Like, but I feel like I'm cheating, basically cheating on everything that I've learned at the studio. And I, and Angelo Benedetto is the head of graphic design there. And I made a quick joke because we were messaging over WhatsApp. I was like, you know, I'm going to disrupt your entire discipline at your school. And like, he was like, yeah, whatever, you know, we're Swiss. We got our thing. I was like, no, 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 no. I will twist the minds of your students. And it's true because it happened to her. And she's like, it's so freeing. Like you, you've been, you don't, all of my teachers care about the finished perfect craft. And you've told us to like, every time you try that they would show me something, it's like, is this looking good? I was like, I don't care. Just make more, make more, make more, make more, make more. Just keep generating and generating. And the end of the week, we'll find some interesting results, but just don't stop and worry about the end. It was absolutely insane because we ended up at the book with 300 pages of like experimental results, motion piece, like, and then we threw all of the iteration all over the floor. And then people are like, "Man, you guys did this in like four days!" And we're like, "Yeah, you know, dude, you didn't care about the finish." But then you have this beautiful object and motion stuff. All this stuff came together, and they were like, "It was super fun." And I hit them up sometimes on Instagram, like, "You guys." I'll like say, I was like, hey, 50 posters by the end of an hour. And they're like, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's the thing. Like it's, you know, once you worry less about the outcome and you get focused in the process, 
and you explore new processes of doing and just dive into that almost like I kind of use the uh, metaphor of a Japanese calligrapher like they don't they don't worry about the stroke and I think the best pieces of calligraphy is when the focus and concentration is been so dialed into the process that the energy is just left and impressed on the work. And that's what I'm like kind of going for. And I think our work and our process are going for that. You capture the energy of the concentration and less about this like perfection of idealism. So, which is un-Swiss in a way. It's mm. very, you know, perfect controlled. So anyway, I could go on on about hours about this, but I'm very <laughs> I'm romantic about this idea, but about capturing the focus and concentration of things and not the worrying and ideal end goal. Yeah, it's great. It's a fantastic metaphor. The calligraphy. I think it's great. Like, and just and also like the, it's clearly a print digital generational shift as well, right? But then, like you said, people are still being taught the the finished, perfected artifact, and yet you don't really deal. In fact, a lot of the time, sounds like especially on some of those projects, you're not really dealing with the end artifact. You're giving it half done, and uh, someone else is finishing it off sometimes, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's quite an unnerving place to be as a, as a designer, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some designers that come work with us freak out. And, yeah. you know, I don't think they can, it's like, I can't handle this. Um, because they're used to just, you know, having an illustrator file up and just like working on that one thing all day. Yeah. And it's like, no, you know, save us, do another one, save us, do another one. And it's like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, so like some people just <laughs> don't mesh, you know, we try to. Uh, show them the light. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's basically it. There's a, this quote from Charlie Parker is like, and it come. You have to learn all the fundamentals. Like, learn all your scales, learn all your chords, learn everything you possibly can, and then forget all that shit and just play. So, like, it's you're just building a vocabulary of craft that you've kind of ingrained in how you perform. But then at the end of the day, it just becomes. Just, yeah, this just is as the, no, you've got to know the rules to break them. Yeah, yeah thing, totally. Right? And yeah. it's it's cliche, but it's true. I mean, yeah. it really is true. Mm. Where do you guys see things going in, in the future? That's a really difficult question. And, <laughs> and you don't, this isn't a black or white answer, <laughs> clearly. Um, I'm not looking for literals. But do you know, or is that kind of like half the fun? Like I'm assuming from this experimental time, it's kind of like we'll see where it takes us in a way. Yeah, I mean, I guess like what we've been wanting to do with it is like, you know, we have the A-Track stuff, we have the Nike stuff. Like we want to make it a bigger scale project using these techniques. We are working with, you know, brands currently to do full identity systems, mm -hmm. which I think is exciting. And that's like something that we haven't quite done yet. But hopefully, like within the next couple months, we'll release some projects that are like that. And I think that's that's the exciting part, because I think, you know, it's easier to do like these one offs. But like, how does this work in a larger system? Yeah. And how's, yeah, how's it sustained? Yeah. Over time? And like, how can you yeah. hand over things and then like internal teams can then like evolve it or, you know, expand on it? Mm. Yeah. I think that's like for creatively, that's what we're, we're focusing on. That's always been, I think, for us, the end game for what we're doing. Like, yeah, I know this small thing's cool and all, but like, it's not that exciting. And when, you, when you're in the uncomfortable zone of like a huge corporation's identity, but producing these radical ideas across all these different communications. Like for us, it's the uncomfortable zone that we like to be in because then we're, it's not familiar to us. We're like, shit, we got to figure out this problem. This is weird. We don't know how to deal with this. So we figure it out. And I think we, 
kind of love being in the most uncomfortable positions. Like as soon as there's complacency, we pivot. And I think our presentation yesterday pretty much illustrated that, how we were like ping-ponging and all over <laughs> the map because we're like, okay, I feel good here. Let's get out of here now. <laughs> I feel really, it's, everything's fine. Fuck this. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this like safety gets, I don't know. And, and Chris Doyle said the same thing yeah. about being there. If you can apply stress and tension in a positive way, then it forces the, the work, I think, to, you, you kind of have to, it's diving into the unknown and weird territory of trying to figure stuff out is where the creativity happens, so. There's been a, little, a lot of talk, actually, um, in some other episodes that we've done recently and also up here and um, in some talks and some things that we've been doing with um, Never Not Creative. It's this idea of, like, um, like basically valuing time and how, and um, essentially kind of how clients are buying an outcome. So maybe it's a deliverable, it's a collaborative project, it's an, it's a, it could potentially be a thing or a product. But often designers, I know that we do in our community a lot of the time, think about time and money, like hourly rate. You know, it took me a week to, to build this, so here's my, mm -hmm. here's my weekly bill. And then they take it and they make hundreds of thousands of dollars on it and it feels bad, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you touched, we touched a little bit on that kind of in your talk, just kind of like valuing uh, not only your IP, but also the benefit that you're giving certain people. Can we talk a little bit about that and how, how you kind of package yeah, up what I mean, you do? It's it's been, I guess, not a struggle, but it's been like a, always like learning on the best way to approach, you know, proposals and like payment structures. And it's obviously different for every client that we work with. But it's like we've been working for, you know, like 15 years with this like motion and then now identity. So like it's while things may take, I don't know, like some some things could take like a day. It's like it's been a buildup of, you know, learning and education. So it's like, it obviously didn't, it took a day in time, but it's taken a lifetime to learn this stuff. Right. So it's like, how do you put the value on that? And like, how do you try to explain that to a client who's used to just hourly rates and, you know, like, well, how many people are working on this? How, how much time are they doing it? So some clients are like a little more open to, um, you know, different proposals. We've had some that are always like, okay, I need to know who's working on it, how long they're doing it, and things like that. So, I don't know. It's complicated, um, and like we're still trying to figure it out. So it's like we try to break things up in phases, as opposed to like, okay, we're gonna start working with you, and we know immediately what what you're gonna need. Mm. Whereas like things are always changing, and so it's like we'll break it up in like a development phase. Um, and then like more like implementation phase and things like mm -hmm. that where it's like okay I can now understand like what you might need and how long that might take and like what we're actually putting into it Whereas like the creative development phase is more like a project fee almost mm. um, It is flat like I mean, I think it has to be that way because yeah. you know like just like what Meg was saying the education and the experimentation is the time we're putting into these ideas and just so happens that vocabulary that we bring to the table is worth the fee the idea, I think it's unfortunate that we even have a discussion of time spent in creative work. It's, mm. it's a bullshit thing. It really is. Like, it, like for me, and, that, and I used to do this when I was a freelancer because I knew I was particularly fast at doing stuff. So I would poker face. I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to take me four days. And I'd have it done in like half a day, but I would wait four days to post it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I'm yeah. so happy with the results. And I was like, yeah. But if, I t if you knew that it took me half a day, then I would shoot myself in the foot mm. and have to work 10 times harder to fill that time. Yeah, and like, totally. so and it's, it's, it's just an old school billing mentality that might be just residual from like old advertising days. Yeah. And, and it just- And it even just, like scheduling's like almost 
impossible to a certain point because it's like sometimes you reach, you know, it's like you figure it out in a couple days and then other times it'll take weeks. So it's, yeah. it's tough. I mean, it's like just trying to, you know, navigate like what clients are used to and then like, you know, kind of educating them in this different process that we've been, uh, you know, figuring out. So, you know, it's. And like there's a, there should be some cushion for getting it right. So like, I mean, we, yeah. we work with a lot of drawing custom typefaces and collaborators there. And I'm like, that's a long-term, subtle, changing thing. And it might take a little longer to get the feel out of that than we need. Mm -hmm. And there has to be some flexibility for sure on that. And for type design, it's like the long-term flexibility. And then the animation like could happen overnight. So you have this like, everybody's just got to chill out, take a mm -hmm. deep breath, and then <laughs> we'll get there. And maybe there's just like a number that wraps around that covers everybody's cost. And do you ever say that to a client? Out. I know I've had so Jason for the people I've heard on the phone uh, to a client before go, just chill out. Don't worry, trust us. Just everything's <laughs> yeah. going to be okay. Like trust me, I've been doing this for a long time. Everything's going to be mm -hmm. okay. I always loved it when I used to say that to a client. How did that go down? Sorry, how yeah. did that go down? It kind of just it's basically what they want they ultimately they just need reassurance right. Mm -hmm. right and if it doesn't feel like you're taking it seriously enough or you're not giving them the reassurance they're just going to take all of the pressure which they're probably getting from somewhere else let's face it right um and then applying that to you but if you go and turn around and go look don't worry everything's going to be okay we've got this we've done it before totally yeah that happened this morning i woke up <laughs> literally like this morning emails <laughs> and we were like oh no but it wasn't a big like everything's fine you know, like it's exactly what you said, like somebody freaked out and then it trickles down right. and then everyone's stressed and then it comes to us and we're like, all right, we'll fix it, no big deal. It's not an issue. Like, <laughs> it was nothing. Everybody just take a deep breath and then they were like, oh yeah, nothing's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's totally I used totally to draw this fine. graph for a client at the beginning and say, look, this is what it's gonna be like as you go through this. Right. I'm doing like ups and downs for people listening. That's obviously. smart, I like that. And it's like, hey, and, and when, then when they call up and go, oh, fuck, yeah, what's going on? You go, oh, you know what I showed you? We're in the trough. Right. Don't yeah. worry, we're gonna come back out, but right now we're in a trough, it's normal. Right, yeah. Yeah. that's good. I think I'm use that. We, we've learned to be very clear in the first meeting, and I think Meg talked about it in her breakout too, like there's a chemistry thing that is paramount. If he doesn't feel right, and, I, and this is also a thing, I don't have the best judge of character sometimes, and Meg's like, I was like, I thought that meeting was amazing. She's like, really? I think they're assholes. So you probably should pass out on that. No, like a bullshit meter. Yeah, there's a major bullshit meter here. And, but like, if you come in, it's like, this is how things go. It's gonna be risky. It's gonna be d difficult at times, but you have to trust that we have your best interest in mind. I think people forget, they think we're just artists thinking it's selfish. It's like, no man, I don't like wanna do your own logo for my own time and art project. Like we're gonna solve the problem for you. Like this is all yours. Right. Mm. This isn't ours. We're just applying our thinking to your issue. So when they're like, oh yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. So when you really make that clear, it's like the first meeting, it's like, okay, they this is not just some artists doing things for themselves. It's really, it's about their problems mm -hmm. um, or challenges and whatever you want to frame it as. But I don't know. I think that's good to be very concise and clear up front. Do you just send the dog in at any point? <laughs> she, she likes to just roll in. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. She should. Some people are like freaked out about her because she's like not a small dog. Oh, yeah, she actually peed on one of our clients. So that was something special. Was that a, was that a client? Does she have her own bullshit meter? Did that yeah, end up being a bad know, client? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I don't like you. I'm going to pee on you. Well, she, it was like a happy pee thing. She got, she's like, oh, Landa, you're so cute. She flipped on her back and like was like, oh, no. Like a spray. Yeah. yeah. And, and she is, and this, and this client's super cool and always has like 
She amazing like fashion. Like, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. I was like, so, shit, there goes a thousand dollar scarf with yeah. pee on it. I was like, oops. You just <laughs> like, that's all about experimentation. It's all <laughs> yeah. part of the process. You know the graph I drew? You're down at the bottom of the trough. <laughs> <laughs> you are the trough, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, so what's next for you guys? Is it, is it home time after this? Yeah, I think like we've been traveling quite a bit. So yep. I think, and it's, it's amazing, but like it's also, you know, obviously a bit difficult with the client work too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to settle in for a couple months and just like get back to work. Yeah, chill. Um, back to the lab. Back yeah, to back the lab. To the lab. We're excited to get back yeah. there. Got to get back to our routines mm-hmm. and our crazy schedules. Yeah, nice. less hangovers and lose some weight again or something. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> you're going to be hungover tomorrow because it's going to be pretty wild after party, <laughs> I think. I'm going to yeah. work on these beers. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you Likewise, for this us. is fantastic, guys. Fun. Thank you. Um, where can people find out more about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, our Instagram, that's probably our best spot. Most current. Yeah, yeah. a lot of, uh, I guess, all of our experiments are up there. And what's the, what's the link to that? What's uh, the handle? Dia, D-I-A underscore studio. Yep. Um, and then you can follow Mitch because Dia underscore Mitch <laughs> doing weird things there. Yeah, I kind of like uh, uh, it's like the second. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is worthy of the studio post, so if I go on mine, <laughs> I'll have my alt version. So I'm like, I'm gonna test this weird thing. You direct his cut. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and there's like some, and I, I do a lot of jazz stuff and play a lot of music, so that kind of sits on my personal side. But uh, cool. cool. Thank you guys yeah, so much. This is super cool. Us. So. Thank you. Andy, yeah. where can people find you if they want to find me? Um, you can find me at adwrighty, at Streamtime, and uh, at nvr, not creative, oh, for yeah. the never cool. not creative cool. yeah, well tag. Done. Well done. Oh, I always nice. forget that one. Yes. Um, you can find me on stuff at Flynn Tracy, and you can find this episode more at ausdesignradio.com, and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud at ausdesignradio. Thank you both so much. Awesome. Cool. Thank, Thank you. you.